0: Well, today, I welcome to the Mostly Winter podcast, Offer Nissenbaum, who I know uh, from Beverly Hills Rotary. But I don't know him well, and we'll get to know him, and we'll chat about all kinds of fun things today, and then uh, we will leave a lot of time to talk about a mutual passion that we both have, which is ice hockey. So let's get the Peninsula stuff out of the way. Uh, we're sitting in a glorious suite at the Peninsula. What's the name of this suite? The Peninsula Suite. I couldn't remember And this suite is how many square feet? This suite is a 2,700 square feet. And it's, it's amazing what you can do. How much is this? $89 a night. (laughs) It is great. What makes the peninsula property special? I think the way we emotionally connect
1: with guests and it's the little detail and how we execute the service with the guests. Um, is our specialty, is our what makes us unique and different
0: in this environment and this competitive set. You don't know this because if Wade predates us knowing each other, we're on holy ground. And the reason is in 1980-ish, I opened my first business right across the street on Little Santa Monica. On the corner was Wilson's House of Sway. Jeff Wilson was the one who took, took a chance on me and gave me a lease. And this was the parking lot. Wow. So it was it's holy ground because it was it was awesome. And and to watch it develop and build being built was just incredible. How when did it open? Do you know? Yeah, thirty-two years ago exactly. Uh
1: August, yeah. Thirty-two years ago. And it was a labor of love because years before that, just to work on the development and the permitting and and all the
0: licenses sold. It, it, it's, it's in the making for 40, for 40 years. And what's extra special is on the corner was the Friars Fund, of which I was the youngest member. And for people listening, I guess it's okay to chat about oh, There's a little portion on the corner of somebody who did not want to sell to sell a property, and it's still there. It's Nothing's going on there. It needs to be done, and eventually I'm sure it'll all get taken care of it. It's a gorgeous hotel. Um, how many rooms? One hundred ninety-five rooms and suites. And tell me about the hotel business. Is it busy? It, you know, we're
1: not to the occupancy levels of pre-pandemic. Um, average rate is high, um, and that's good uh, in the market and certainly in the hotel. Uh, but we have not seen yet the rebound of international business and some of the entertainment corporate business. So that's still lacking. Uh, but it's on on the right in the right way, and now that the strike with the uh, writers and the actors is over, we're going to see a little bit of a, of a move up in this.
0: There was an old friend of mine who's now passed away in Bob Lorsch, and this was his favorite place, and he would tell me, if you ever want to see me, come, we'll, we'll hang out, and we're always in, I'm in the bar from 4 o'clock on, and come hang with me here. And he was just a very, very unique soul. and a Legendary. Legendary. Yeah. And this hotel... It's kind of the quiet secret of Beverly Hills, in my opinion, because it's almost like I, I hate the word boutique, but it's the one that comes to my mind because it's quaint, it's quiet, and it's like, wait, why don't we think about that? We should think about that more often, and it's, and it's great. What is the goal for, for, um, Rates, not rates, for uh, occupation. I mean, are you guys looking to run at 80% or 100% or what's that of those? For? No,
1: I think, you know, I think uh, a good market uh, on a yearly basis is right around the 80% mark for occupancy. And we enjoyed that, that level of occupancy pre-pandemic in 2019,
0: 2018, and that, that's what we strive to be. Yes. Does a hotel function, does a hotel, not just this hotel, does it function better at a higher occupancy rate? I think...
1: You know the interesting thing is the busier the hotel is, the better the hotel is. Yeah, it's right. It's something so because the wheels are turning and everything is is moving along. So right at that percentage level, you are at an optimum, uh, and I think you're
0: better at your service and execution of the service
1: at 80 than you are at 16.
0: Yeah, interesting. I the hotel business is a very small world, and Warren Ackerman, the late Warren Ackerman, who was just like a mentor to me, and just I miss him so much. Um, he introduced me to something named Pat Cowell, and Pat Cowell was one of the, I, I don't want to mistitle him, but presidents or senior vice presidents of Hyatt, and he and I came from, and he would explain everything to me, and he, what he was, I, I want to think he was a president, he was like, the, there's three presidents at Hyatt at that time, and he had a Hawaii and everything else, and he said, Will you come to Hawaii, and I said, sure. and, you know, it was great, because he had the... The high Hawaiiikaloa at the time and he was explaining to me how challenging each different property really is in the hotel business and then he went to the the gaming casinos in Connecticut I, I can't think of the name of the the tribe that had the rights to a Sun casino or something like that and he said it's just interesting and he had said Hawaii's kind of unique he says you do not want to go to Hawaii. In way off time. I don't know if there is a off time now, but you can't do it because if you're there and it's empty, the the, the restaurants don't seem to run as well and the, you know, there's not as many people for service. I said, so when's the best time to come? And I'll ask you. And he told me, if anybody wants to know when they go to Hawaii, he said, the week before Thanksgiving. I said, that's odd. And he said, Yeah, because we have to be fully staffed up here and sometimes you're having to bring employees here to house them and that so we're fully staffed, but our occupancy rate is usually at forty or fifty percent from Thanksgiving on all other world. You know, and is that is that similar here?
1: It is similar, I think. I would add that at the week before Christmas as well. I think uh, before you hit the peak of occupancy, the ramping up of the week before is almost a great time to come so um labor day week
0: right after labor day week now great because you have full staffing and the hotel's got yeah. enough people in it that you're that it's humming and i think in resorts
1: it's more profound than it is in uh, city hotels like ours because we are always uh you know we're staffed all the time so it it's not like we have to staff up for season or change our staffing levels during high season. We're already staffed. We have our core group here year-round because our occupancy doesn't fluctuate as much.
0: Interesting, and you and you have, as a general rule, you're selling high service and uh, high nation clientele as opposed to a, a, uh, a business traveler. Even though I'm sure you have that sector, I would think that that's what you're looking at. We do,
1: we have 50% of our business is business-related, and 50s leisure and um it's interesting because uh i never thought that so many people would come here on vacation yeah um yeah. you know so
0: it's perfect uh, for i i don't need to say anything out of out of it's perfect for that you yeah. know why it's not being resort with nine million pools and go over here and there and then centrally located and it's bothersome free you know it's it's nice it's very very pretty i i encourage everybody if you haven't been just Come have a drink in the bar. Come at four o'clock, and you'll sh- it's just a lovely, comfortable atmosphere.
1: Yeah, and I think today to be successful in our in in the sandbox that we play in, which is the high end, uh, high end hotel, five star, five diamond, and in this market, which this market has very very good hotels. Yeah. So when someone says to me. Uh, you have competition. Of course, we have competition. All the hotels have competition from St. Hills. They all do a great job. And they're all family, too, at the same point. Absolutely. And I, But I think what differentiates you from the competition are things you do that no one else does. And that's what we focus on. So an example of that would be there is no check-in time or check-out time in this hotel. You can come at 7 a.m. and get a room and leave at 10 o'clock at night and you only pay for one night. Well, oh. how many does that. So the flexibility in check-in and check-out. When you get to the airport, people will remember that. I don't mean to interrupt you. People will remember that. You know, to me, luxury, when you you define what luxury is, it's the experience. It's not the chandelier. It's not the beautiful room. It's the experience that you go through and the stress that you take away from the guests. Yeah. By not having to worry about, I need a late checkout. My flight doesn't leave till I'm coming in early. You know, one of the greatest sins... In our business is a guest that comes because their flight is early, and then they're made to sit in the lobby or go to the spotted judge. Yeah. welcome to Las Vegas and yeah, and to me, that is not acceptable um and by making it so flexible and making it stress free for the guest, that's what luxury is, and that gives you a competitive edge because no one else
0: does it. Did you know George White? no. You know who he is? Yes, of course. So, George Shaddeth, our table at Will be Forever. And he made, he says, You're now the ambassador. When something bad happens at a hotel, of course, seek out the general manager, seek out whoever, and let them know. But when something good happens, he says, You're in charge. Tell everybody that. And you just spurred a thought in that I was very fortunate. I travel a lot to Japan. Mm-hmm. And they do things so differently and uniquely. And the, Okay, somebody said, well, what would your favorite hotel be? I'd have to say, where? If you said in Japan, it's the Liga Royal in Hiroshima. Mm. Why? Yeah. Well, I had favorable business meetings there, et cetera, but i probably have stayed at that hotel 20 times. Okay? That's a lot. It is. The second time there... They knew that I had, you know, everything is good. I mean, it's just like you said, how do you stand out? Forget a mint on the pillow or anything like that. They did something very interesting. They put they asked you when you leave, how was your time? Oh, it's wonderful. And the, you know, they get people who can speak English. And I said, I just loved it because I could look out the window and I could see the Hiroshima Toyo Carp steel. Like and and that's the at the time I was doing a lot of business with baseball. Hey, and here's what they did. Every time I came to the hotel, they put me in the same one. I remember that. So it's, like you said, every hotel wants to do something a little bit better to stand out. I remember that. And it's the little things, again. Yes. Yeah. It's the small
1: things that they pay attention to. And we, you know, we, it's interesting, we do something similar. We, the room attendants report to us, when you're staying in the room and you're by yourself, you're in a king-size bed, Yeah, they report to us on what side of the bed you sleep on. They know why. No, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> Because in the middle of the night, when you're thirsty and you reach for that bottle, do we know where to put the bottle? If you put it on the other side, you have to get out, go around, get the bottle. Here, it's within reach because you're already staying on this side. It's a small detail. When you when you have two people sleeping in the room, it doesn't matter. But when you have one, where do you put the bottle of water at night? Um, or when you are using your tooth your your toothbrush and toothpaste. If we teach our room attendants that if the toothpaste in it is less than half, we replace it. We give you a full one. That's a very small failure, but it touches people. Yeah. And to be successful, in my opinion, in this industry,
0: again, you have to connect emotionally with people. Well, it's branding. Um, and we're going to be done with the hotel and talk about yes. you. It's branding. It's what makes people feel comfortable to say this is kind of home. So when I'm coming to Big Leals, I want to stay here or I want to stay over there. And I'm comfortable they remembered me at the Riga Royal Hotel. Now, for me in Japan, I'm just a creature of habit. I don't want new and a different experience. It's good, it's good. And it's the same for me if I can stay at the Anna Hotel in Japanese, in Niku, which is the ANA Hotel, and right near Roppongi in Tokyo, that's where I want to stay. I'm sure there's better hotels. I'm sure there's a... I'm comfortable with it. I know it. I know where everything is from there. I can walk to where I want. I, I, that's, and I believe that's how most people
1: are. Most people are creatures of habit. Yeah. yeah. And if they have something good, they appreciate that, and they tend to be yeah. stay with that. Uh, so changing after that, even if somebody
0: recommends you another hotel, is less likely. Well, and, and I don't know if the level of a business traveler or somebody would stay at this hotel or the, the other hotels in, in Beverly Hills I don't know that it's so much price conscious. In other words, uh, I think the Mayborn now. It's a lovely hotel. Its price point I'm sure is going to be comparable. I'm not trying to compare prices. Believe me, we don't want heavy, we only want happy on this podcast. Yeah. But if it's in the same market, it's they're trying to do something. So when somebody stays there and they're comfortable, oh, I know this restaurant's around the corner. I know that's what this is here. Same with this with this spot. And it's a and it's just so centrally located because it's a nice stroll to Century City. Not all the other hotels can offer you. And I think the whole the
1: whole idea of being able to that it's walkable, you can get from here to all to everywhere to the heart of Beverly Hills to the Golden Triangle. You can go to Century City. Um, uh, you don't need a car if there's a we can give you a car. I mean, we have our house Rolls us to take you or drop you off and take you anywhere, but you can walk it. And we're kind of in a tucked away in a residential area, yeah, we're not in off the street, busy intersection. So we. Our location is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it really gives us an advantage.
0: It, and, it, and it gives a good brand, and we all brand ourselves. So it's like, where do you stay in mean, Beverly I stay at an insult, or I stay at this hotel or that hotel. And it's that way with, at least for me. And it's the same, I notice, even when I travel, like, with family, if we're going to go for fun. Let's say we're going to Las Vegas. I like, I don't ever want to try something new. Right. I will um, if somebody says, hey, we're going to stay here. Okay. And then it's, I open myself up to it. But I feel, I feel like I've branded to it used to be Caesar Palace and then it was different. You sure. sort of evolved to different ones, but you're comfortable with where you are. All right, enough of the hotel visit. Let's get to what I wanted to chat about. So I, I offered, tell me your story. Before we went on the air, you were telling me an interesting story about your grandfather, father, father and, and also grandfather. So if let's, if we can, let's pay a little homage to him and start there. How did, Offer Nissenbaum. We're going to go from the beginning. How did you land this position at this hotel? And how come you're so always smiling when I see you? So start out of where what we were talking about, which is kind of darkness. Yeah, I think, you know, I am a son and a grandson of
1: Holocaust survivors. Uh, My grandfather was in a concentration camp and luckily was able to get out. My grandmother got him out. And uh, that's on my mother's side. On my father's side, he became orphaned at the age of 12. His sisters and brothers were all. Which, which... concentration, yeah? Uh, Buchenwald. Okay. Uh, so that was my grandfather on my mother's side. But my father, um, you know, at Kristallnacht, which uh, when they burned the synagogues and killed his rabbi and cantor, he was transported by the French underground on the Kinder transported into Brussels. And he hid there. Uh, in a basement of a church with a nun that took care of him and five other, uh, five other survivors, uh, all kids, and um, and would only come out at night um, into the forest. And during the day, they, uh, the Nazis would come into the, into the facility and they kept very quiet in the basement so nobody would discover them. Uh, and he managed to survive and then got on a boat and went to Israel as a 17-year-old boy and immediately... What year? Around 1947.
0: 1947. Okay. So, right before Israel becomes a state. Right. Okay. And then he became... Uh, he joined the IDF when he was 18 and fought in the Independence War, Sinai War, and sixty four. War. So, if you are um, born in the Middle East. You're born to... I was born in Israel. And
1: wow. Born and raised in Israel. So, uh, yes. As a young child, as a young man. Uh, and then when... My, in Israel? So we lived uh, in a suburb of Tel Aviv called Amat Gan, And uh, I know and, and, that they, is. and my grandparents are from a Moshav, which is kind of an agricultural... It's not a kibbutz. Uh and in Moshav, everybody has their own home and yeah. they don't live together, but they they all have their businesses uh, near Nataniyam. And uh, I actually also grew up there because I would go there for the summers and weekends, and so on and so forth. So at the age of twelve, my father at the time worked for L. A. Lizer Airlines, and he was posted in Canada. And we moved to Toronto for one year, and then they decided to fly out of Montreal, not Toronto. So the following year, we um, we moved to Montreal, and that's why I spent all my high school years in Montreal, and that's where I fell in love with the game of hockey. So we'll get
0: to hockey in a minute. But so now you're. We become like what's going on here. It's like I know people from Israel. The the one that sort of bonds the sport, that bonds the world is soccer. Um, forget the political hatreds of the world again. There's plenty of dark to talk about. Sure, but when you're in Canada, it's hockey, and and we're gonna, we will get to that. But you're 12. Do you know what you want to do at 12? I mean, do you have any idea? And...
1: No, and it's it's a big uh... it. it, it It's a big challenge in my life because I moved to Toronto when I was 12, not speaking a word of English. At the time, they weren't as progressive as today, wherever they teach you, already in kindergarten English in Israel. But at the time, that wasn't the case. And my father got a month notice that we were moving. And they were not sophisticated to put me in a, you know, to learn the language. They just stuck me in junior high, grade six, I think. And of course, I was the odd individual. And didn't speak the language, couldn't communicate with everybody. I was miserable. I came from Israel where I was the most popular kid in the class, played soccer, was an athlete, and then came to, to a country where I didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends. Um, and a friend of my father felt so bad for me that he knew I love sports. He took me to Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto in 1969. Wow. And I walked in and I started watching the game. And it was like you fall in love. You just fall in love. The next day, I got a paper route, earned enough money to buy an old pair of skates, and started skating every single day. Every day after, after, after school, I would skate and skate and skate till I got really good. Walked on to my high school team as a goalie. Playing, the next year I started for the high school team. And then I played college. I played NCAA hockey at Pulseman. Uh
0: Went on the uh, same arena that the miracle on ice happened. Somebody's brand, they so I'm you and I have something that's very similar because you're, you're dating yourself similar to me. We're, we're very comparable in age. And I fell in love with hockey then too, except it's like in America, it's a secret. Right. Okay. Other than the major cities, because back then there was only a handful of teams. You had Boston, you had Detroit, you had the New York Rangers, uh, and, and, you know, and and then you started having expansions. 67, if I remember right, the Flyers came into existence, and Vikings came into existence out here. Yes. And I played college hockey, but nothing like what you play, and we played in the mural out here. And that's like an anomaly. And I just, I loved it. And for people... That are sports fans, even if you're not. There's something about live hockey. I don't want to say it's terrible on television. It's not terrible, but you kind of have to be a hockey fan to watch. It's a different experience. watching you go, it. And it kind of dazzles your eyes. It's like it yeah. doesn't matter if you know the rules. It does, There's just it's just like what's going on, you know. And it's like it's fascinating. It it's an
1: incredible game. I fell in love with it. I played it, and I I and you know I watched it. I remember as a as a uh, you know at the age of you know fourteen. I remember going to the Montreal to the to the uh, what was it called the Molson Arena. Okay. Yeah, okay. and I couldn't obviously couldn't afford to buy a ticket. So I would well, well that's, that's hockey's you know cathedral right. And and you know in Montreal and in Toronto, it's the Bible, it's the religion, it's the culture, yeah. it's everything. And on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights, hockey night in Canada, everybody stayed in and watched it. Yes. You would never go out. No, it was. And oh. all places you were bars. Man, <laughs> right? Exactly. So um so I remember going to games and when Toronto and Montreal played, which is a huge rivalry still today, yes. I would be I was just barely I would be standing room only. I would buy a ticket for a dollar fifty and be able to just stand and watch the game yeah. and watch the greatest players, the Guy Fleurs and Ivan.
0: Well, Maget- you send the first name. Yes. Again, we're going. So people are going to go. What the heck are you guys talking about? Right. four was my favorite player. Yes, again, he was my absolute favorite. I my number was number ten because Gilaflor was number ten. Yeah, when I I just loved everything about this guy. And there was I don't remember the year, but I think it was nineteen seventy six or seventy five. The month, they play eighty games for people that don't know in a hockey season. Right. Thereabouts, and they lost. Eight games. They only lost eight games. There were some ties, but they they only lost eight games. And when my Kings would go up there on television and they would just tie them, oh, my God. It was like, oh, there And you as a goalie, which is... Again, it's a completely different perspective. I never played in the goal. I never even seen the goal. That's the last thing I want to do with somebody shooting a very hard object at me that could hit you in a spot where there's not a pad. Why goal, Leo? You know, I think because I didn't play the game and
1: I walked on and I have quick reflexes... um, I really, I that position really interested me because it was the most important position on the ice. Yeah. If a if a real player, if a centerman loses the puck, okay, he loses the puck, he regains it, life goes on. If you make a mistake as a goalie, it costs a goal, and so it's the most pressure position in hockey,
0: and the most the the ones that get the most accolades as well. Yeah. And it's kind of a quarterback in a weird way. It's if, if you have a good goalie and the goalie's ready. Out and hot, of course, is. Yes. It's yes, really in the in the it's amazing how far that they can take And I was able
1: to learn the fundamentals of being a goalie. I in soccer I actually pay I played a, a score. I was a uh, uh, inside right and I was I was very quick. I was um and broke the college records for goals of the game. Wow. And
0: I was all regional and did really well in soccer. See, I was always made a joke. Yeah, soccer exists for the kids that, that aren't coordinated enough to ice skate. And I always get yelled at. You're crazy to say I'm not rice, don't say that. No, oh, no, it's not correct
1: because when you play soccer at, at a competing level, yeah. it's very very competitive, and it's a, it's a great game. I, those these are my two favorite sports in life. It's so, I like all sports, but I do follow that most closely. And do you follow still to this day? Yes, absolutely. Very much so. English Premier League, we have a a favorite team. My boys and I, we're actually going to see them play later this month. Wow. We're going to England to see them play with Shane, Tottenham Hotspurs. Okay. That's our team. Uh, And 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 we love to show Ted Lasso, of course. Yes, of course. Um, If you play the game of soccer, not similar to hockey, playing the game is very exciting. Although soccer is a smaller, it's it's a, it's a it's a slower pace.
0: Hockey's a much quicker yeah. area and, and quicker pace. And more for anybody that really wants to know, it's physically and mentally exhausting to play no angle hockey. You. You can be goofy and lazy like I was, which is, okay, let me try to coast a few minutes to get rest while you're on the ice, and then coaches see that, and then they're yanking you quick because you're supposed to go all out for anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. Anything after that, you stood, there's a physical decline to it, and the constant rotating and be ready, get your rest when you can. It's fascinating. We got off track. We'll come back to hockey. Okay. So when you're now 12 to 15 and you're stunning, and you're playing hockey and you're playing soccer and you're doing that. What happened next? How, when did it happen? So,
1: I, at, a, at a young age, I was very fortunate at a younger age. I had an uncle who was in the hotel business and I was exposed to that a little bit. And I knew at a younger age that that's hospitality is where I wanted to be. I wasn't sure exactly is it going to be the restaurant business, hotel business, it's going to be a combination of both. But I, I knew fairly, on, fairly early on that that's where I wanted to go. So, of course, when I went to college, I studied hotel management. And where did you go to college? I went to college at Paul Smith in upstate New York. Okay. And as I said, played at the Lake Placid Arena, where the
0: Maryland, Island, that was our home arena. The miracle. Uh, people again that don't know. And by the way, that was this miracle on ice. Yeah. I'm um, when the Americans right. meet the fatal Russians uh,
1: for the apple. Yeah. Well, they did beat them for the goal. One of the greatest upsets in the history of sports, not just hockey. Yeah. In the history of sports. Um, and I was actually scouted by the Minnesota North Stars when well, I was out for my team. So, um, but then. So I played hockey in college, and then I had to make a very important decision, which, which I made fairly easily, is I went back to Israel and joined the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, and was in the military for three and a half years. And um, of course, that, that was the end of my hockey career, although uh, later on in life, I, and even up until the pandemic, I
0: played at the Adult Hockey League, both in New York and in L.A., well, I play a little as an adult, and then it's like um, you realize how quick you get old, and you realize, nah, I wasn't best to have a in and it was just fun. So, you decide you're a hospitality. Yes. And where did you start? Because the hotel business, it's not like you end up and you're the general manager of the Panasso Hotel. The hotel business is like, candidly, it's like any business. If you really want to be at the top of it, you kind of need to know every single role. Take sports as an example. You want to be the general manager of an hockey team. Ideally, you want to know what it's like as a player. Ideally, you want to know what it's like as a trainer. Ideally, as a coach. Ideally, as... A ticket seller. I saw all of those sessions, everything. Yeah. It's similar, right? So it, where did you start? It is
1: very similar. So I was very fortunate after the military in Israel, I was offered a management training program by Leona Hemsley, the fam- yeah, yeah. the kind of me. Yeah, the Korean island. And I I started at the Park Lane Hotel in New York as a management trainee and worked in every department in the hotel and really got my training there. Spent three years there. From there, I was offered a job and, um, um, with Doral Hotels and Resorts, a family-owned business in New York, and they transferred me to Florida, and I basically, with every move I made, you know, I, I, I grew, and then became the youngest general manager of a five-star hotel at the age of 31. Which hotel? It was the Doral Saturnia Spa Resort wow. in Florida, which was adjacent to the, the Doral Country Club. When, where they the for a Exactly. It was at the time the Doral Rider Open, and... uh. By the way, that was the place that I was exposed to golf a lot, but didn't play it because it took it, it took too much. It takes time. too much time. It takes too much time. I I was a tennis player. But um, as you say, you have to start at the very bottom and work your way up, and it's a lot of hard work, dedication. And I, you know, earlier in my career, I did think, when I was at the management training for Leona Hemsley, which we can spend an hour just talking about the experience. you oh, really? well, of course I had. Very close contact. Did she yell? <laughs> I, I heard your stories. But the stories are incredible. The stories that I experienced, uh, one day will be in a book. But um, really incredible stories. So,
0: I uh, um, well, this, wait, I gotta interrupt for a second. There's two kinds of, in my opinion, there's like, when, you just take back the sword for a second. There's two kinds of coaches. There is a coddler who can say you know, you're going to do great. Just keep at this and, you know, keep trying, keep practicing, we'll work on this, we'll work on your deficiencies and you'll get better. And then there's the screamers, as I call. Them. I responded better to the screamers because it got me angry. And if you get me angry, you get me focused. And if you get me focused, I'm all about, well, that was from for athletics. Yeah. And I sort of noticed that, maybe not to the degrees of coaches, but that's how it is in the corporate world. for Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I, you know, I think that
1: 'Cause she was definitely on the schemer side. <laughs> she you know, you know, I learned very early that management by fear and intimidation does not work. Uh, and that was a great lesson. Yeah, fear coach. Oh, and I saw it actually. The on the plus side, she had an eye for quality and would not compromise on quality of linen, quality of service. So that also is a great learning experience. But I saw what it did to people, what she yelled and screamed at and and as well as me. Um and you you had to know that each day that you walked into the hotel could be your last day because she would fire people left and right. She was unreasonable. She was emotional. Um, and it was... You didn't bring the dog some water. You're fired. Yeah. It, it's somebody's shoelace saw and you're fired. I mean, it was... She was definitely... Um, Management by fear and intimidation, and that and, and that was not good. But a great lesson for me, nonetheless, of what I'd never want to be.
0: Right, and and you experience that. I, you know, it, it, that's a good way to look at it. I see Kobe here, which is I, he's going to be going to college. He's, or, you know, he has certain schools that are spicked out. But I explained to him that um, if you go to a place and you look at it and you experience it, there's a good to saying it's not for me. You know it's not for you And it sort of will enhance this is for me and how I want to conduct myself as far as, you know, business or where I want to go. So absolutely. And I think
1: I believe that you have to have a balance like anything else in life, balance of how you manage. You should be demanding in the hospitality business. You should ask people to work very hard. Um, uh, You should not cuddle them. But you have to find a balance and be respectful to people, be supportive of people. If there's a criticism, do it in private and not in public. Never humiliate and stay humble. Humility is a very big deal. Yeah. It's very important. So finding that right balance, I think, makes you a good manager. It's not one or the other. It's the combination of the two. Be demanding of your staff, but also be there for them, cross the oceans for them.
0: Uh, that's really, really important. There's a key work, I think, that I've seen in a lot of successful business people, and I had, I'm, I'm going to... Really, I believe, no, I have no doubts you, you are in this. Now, is empathy? Hmm. If you can really empathize with what the other person, the employee is feeling, you know, like young offer is, wants to be, he, at some point you're going to say, I, this is when I decided I want to be a general manager as opposed to just in the, let's say, the restaurant in food and beverage. Correct. The general manager understands that that person may want to be a general manager. They may want to be a chef or they may want to be something. That's important that you, as a manager, can see that in people. I think most people just for thinking for themselves, myself, I'm guilty of a lot of times, too. We're just thinking of our own world as opposed to the others. And that I notice, especially in hospitality businesses, especially in a restaurant, very important. I was at a restaurant a couple of days ago with a former f- client, really, really somebody that was special in my life. And I hadn't seen him going to have this big um, reconciliation lunch. And he wanted to go to South Beverly Grill. Mm-hmm. And I'm mentioning them because they do a fine job. But I always think of them as, it's busy, it's loud, and it's just, it's, it's a place. Why don't we go to the lunch? Why don't we go over here? Why don't we go? Let me take it. We'll come to the Peninsula. Hotel. We'll go to some place like that. And I came to learn why did he want to go to the South He doesn't live in this area, Um, so he's driving here. But why? Because the South Beverly Grill is in the chain, the same ownership group. I think it's Hillsdale that owns uh, Houston's. I love Houston's. That's my brand. This is here. This is where we're going. And that's endearing that Houston's needs a big, you know, uh, Hillsdale— the whoever that is, that's the bind we are putting out to very important people and branding it to that, you know, and it's very cool. It is. And I think,
1: you know, working in this business and being in every department and learning every position in a hotel, not becoming an expert at it, but experiencing it. You know, I was in, I was a breakfast cook. I worked in as a bellman. I worked at, you know, at every, almost every position in a hotel, maybe not so many of the technical positions in engineering. Uh, But I worked in accounting, I worked in sales. So today, I'm in a position when a deploy comes to me, they'll never be able to say, well, you don't understand because you've never done it. Yeah, wrong. Yes, I have done it, and I do understand. And I understand the difficulties of what you're going through, and I also know what the possibilities are. So I think that's really helpful. But you need a lot of patience, because when my first job at the Parkland Hotel was at the mail-in information desk. I couldn't even check people in. I can only give them their mail and their keys. Now, I knew I could do so much more, and instead of getting frustrated, which I could have easily done because I wasn't utilizing my brain or my talents or my skills, I knew that it was a process. It was almost like investing in a stock and slowly watching it grow. I think that's, that's important, and today the younger generation is impatient, there's immediate gratification. So, okay. I'm so, uh, i so, I'm so, I'm so and I'm so fast. Right. So, I think that helped me also progress. I think the other thing that I, I moved quickly through the ranks and moved quickly to senior management positions was when I started, I was a lot more mature than people my age because I had gone through the military. Correct. And seeing things I in knew. the military and having a lot of responsibilities during the military that were far more serious than, than working in a hotel. So I think my maturity level was, was higher. So I stood out. I also volunteered all the time. So I would work five days a week. And then on the sixth and seventh day, I offered to volunteer in any department and don't, and not get paid. And people looked at me and they, they just shook their head. They said, he's lost his marbles. This man is crazy. Why would he work for free? But. Whenever a position became available, people said, "Oh, Offer will do it. Oh, yeah, he he like he wants to do it." It it again was an investment. I saw the possibilities ahead of time, and I, and and,
0: and out of learning it. this skill, even if it's like at the basic levels of and willingness to learn. You said something. I could see your eyes light up. It's and if you're in a um, um a job that's just redundant. The way to exercise one's mind is, okay, how can I do this as most efficiently, even though I can only go at such a speed? And then you start to look at it, whether it's handing out keys, let me hand it out a certain way, and they put them down. You know, um, I still, somebody taught me a trick when it came. I don't want to call it a trick. They taught me a a proper way to deal with um, agreeing, a contract. First, I don't even, I have a hard time even saying the word contract. I say agreement. And, and, and an agreement is much more amenable to both, and that's all that it is. And I would always sign my name. I said, I'm here, and then you're here. I would never say, sign here. That comes from being in a, in a let me just think of how I would feel on the other end of that. You know, it's a journey. Whenever you do something formal, everybody sort of free. It's a contract. Well, it's a, right. Everybody gets like crazy about it. Well, if you're purchasing a home or not, you're going to be signing a lot of documents. When somebody says, sign here, sign here, sign here, there's a tension that builds up as opposed to, here's an agreement, here's what the seller is proposing if you're the buyer, here's what the seller is saying they're willing to do, and here's what you're going to do. And they sign here. you That's something that you learn from mundane. It could just be, it's a formality. You have to sign this or you're not getting the house or you're not selling the house. Forget it. and just picking that as a model. It It's the same, you know, and you could say to somebody here, well, if you don't sign our hotel agreement for the room, you can't have the room, but there's a way to deliver that message nicely. It's like, this is the agreement that we're having you sign. It's not a contract. Well, it is from a legal standpoint, I'm Which, by the way, we've eliminated in the hotel. You do
1: not sign a registration card and you don't sign at the front desk. If you've been here before, even once, you get your keys and you get escorted to your room. Um, another cool thing. And another cool thing that we do. We, all, we also do, if you book a suite in the hotel, you get a brand new BMW. It's yours for the entire state, gas and parking included. That to me is more of an added value proposition. So we try to find things that we do or or experience we create that are unique and different. Again, yeah, so different. they you stand no. out. it's just fun. So back to you. Come back to you. So okay. So I was, I'm in Florida. I'm now in my first general manager's position at the Attorney. The, I'm learning the whole resort, golf, and the health spa. At the time, uh, fast forward uh, six, seven years later, I end up in uh, I end up in Key Largo, trying to turn around a, a, a hotel for sale. And from there to Vancouver, Canada, where I spent a a few years. And then I got a call from the
0: Plaza Hotel in New York to come and manage that. Wow, That's the major leagues. Every other hotel is very nice. They could be very... This is the major leagues, and it's not the major leagues of the lower-level small market teams. This is the New York Yankees. Yeah. So uh, fast forward, we are moving now. I have a a, a
1: son, and we're moving... uh, New York, and I'm at the Plaza Hotel, which was a really great experience, uh, owned by three different entities, um, very, very special place. Three and a half, four years later, I was offered a position with Omni Hotels uh, as not only a general manager, but a regional vice president. So I was responsible for eight hotels and the international division, and I did that for almost 10 years. Phenomenal people, great company. Um, And then I got the call about the peninsula. And I was not looking for work. I was very happy with what I was doing, and it took a, f- a lot of persuasion. Um, and ultimately, the reason I made the move was I was traveling quite a bit, and I had by then three three Yeah, You're going home. to the properties if you if you have the region. You have your property and everybody else. Every everybody else's property plus the international division. So I am a week at home, a week away, a week at home, a week away, and. This property, when I first saw it, I just, again, it's like the hockey maple leaf card. I just fell in love with this property. There's just something very unique, and, and and I saw it right away. And I also saw the potential to make it even better than it was. And um, and the move was not so much a career move. It was a move for my family. Quality. It was the first quality move. It was the first time in my life that I actually put my family first, because my
0: career was everything. I was making moves for my career. Were you able to invest in the community like you, like you do here in New York? Because I would think that's harder, because it's so involved here. You come to the Rotary, you're you're helping people. Anybody ever ask you, can I have something for this or that? You're always the first to Young be involved. Man. I think the big difference between Beverly Hills, Beverly
1: Hills is a village, and it really is, this is small. I like to really, hear that a lot. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's such a small community. And here you can get involved in Rotary and I'm involved with the chamber and I'm involved. I'm, I sit on the, I was the chair of the CVB Conference of Business Bureau. I now I'm on the board. So I, first of all, I believe that it's really important when you are a manager of a business at Beverly Hills is to be involved in the local community. I believe it's really, really important. You have to find the right organizations because you don't have time. Time is is the biggest challenge. So doing an hour on a Monday for lunch kind of works. Once a month board meeting at the CVB works for now. Yeah. So
0: um, golf at a club every other does day. Doesn't work. That doesn't. It doesn't work. Can I think Same. something that's cool that you have that's very challenging across, in my mind, businesses and everything else. I said to Colby, Kobe, Colby's our producer, I said, um, you know, I, I'd like to talk offer this amount, and he's Peninsula Hotel, and he just lit up. So you've got a demographic of the younger people that think that this hotel is cool. If you were to ask me, I would have said, oh, this is a great hotel because it fits my age demographic and your age demographic. Wait a minute. If you have the younger kids that think it's cool with social media, with whether it's TikTok or any of these different platforms that they're on, that's really sort of grabbing what others are not. And that's important. Did you know that that's out there? How did you do
1: that? So we, was that intentional? It was intentional. Uh, it was intentional all along because what, what's really fascinating about this hotel, we have approximately 70% repeat clientele, which is very, very high. So if you like us, you like us. Good yeah. And we're not for everybody. We're not cool and hip, if you will. Um, we're not one of the worst Hollywood hotels where there's music blaring in the lobby. Yeah. And, and, you know, and every hotel should have their own DNA and their own culturally, and we're very comfortable with who we are. Um, but I think the next generation of our guests have been coming here as children, and they grow up, they become the ah. We also are seeing a much younger demographics coming to our hotel because people value comfort. You know, for a while, it was all about cool and design and some of the other, those other elements for the younger generation. The younger generation is slowly learning that being able to trust the hotel.
0: ah good worry.
1: Being able to trust the experience you're going to have, for the hotel to be delivered on what they promise, those are things that are not easily obtained out there. And that if we can do that on a regular basis, you will win the younger generation. You know, our rooms may not be modern, but our
0: service and how we treat them and how we take care of them is the same for every generation. You know, you say that, and it's so fascinating because I've talked to people that own restaurants and everything else, and they say, opening a restaurant if you're well-funded and you have a good product, that's the easy part, to be successful coming out of the gate. It's the sustaining when we're no longer new. Right. I kind of think that's your formula here. Right. Right. You know, I'm mentioning other hotels that are great. Beverly Hills Hotel is this. very, yep. You know, you, you maintain that, but if you were to open a brand new hotel, it's going to be great. And then how do you stay there? Because I can point to hotels and restaurants that it's very hard. They can make it for two or three years, and now how do we get better? How do we reinvent? You don't seem to have that problem. No, and I think... Or the challenge that overcomes a better way. Yeah, I think that's a better way to say it. And
1: and you said something very important, and the word consistent. To To be great any particular day, anyone can do that. But to be consistently good each and every day to do it over and over again that's that's, that's the biggest challenge for anyone it's a challenge for me too yeah hotel i uh, you're dependent on so many different employees um you know people say they always say to me oh you run such a great hotel you do such a great job i said no that's not true uh i depend on so many employees to execute the vision execute the culture I don't know we or I me. I, 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 oh, completely. I don't check people in. I don't cook the food. I don't deliver. I don't clean the rooms. I depend on people who do the day-to-day function functions of the hotel. I'm just a piece of the puzzle. I'm just part of the team. I'm not the reason this hotel is successful. The reason the hotel is successful is because of the people that work here. And I'm not saying that to be humble. It's really the truth. Anyone who tells you that a hotel is successful
0: just because of the general manager or managing director—it's not the truth. Well, you're hiring people obviously that love what they're doing because if you're passionate about what you do, you're not really working. And it doesn't matter if you don't like. I hey, I'm cleaning a room. I don't really like cleaning a room. I have higher aspirations, but if I know how to do this and that gets me to the next level, and now become that's kind of cool, and that. Exudes into the culture, and the culture so it spreads out there. But again, and, and young I, people don't
1: see that, do they? No, I, I think that it's interesting how we hire people here. So, any guest-facing uh, position, I get, I get to meet with them. And it could be a little intimidating. I understand if you if you're coming to the yeah. manager's office and you're sitting there. And I mean, not apply for a waiter job and you're meeting the general manager. Yes, yeah, so that's a little frightening. So. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm an easy person to get along. I'm not intimidating, but just my good position, good position. I understand that. And they come into my office and they're a little bit nervous and I sit down and when they leave the interview, there, there's always a bewildered look on their face and they're like shaking their hand. and they, because I never ask them one question about their other jobs or their skill level. I ask them about who they are, what makes them happy in life. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your hobbies. What do you like to do? Do you like sports? Mm-hmm. Do you like this? Do you have a passion
0: in life? I'm trying to get to know the person because the scale skills- is the secrets of my podcast. <laughs> I don't really care about what it, the, the gentleman. I care about you. I want your story, and 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 that's the connectivity to the formulas to what you're saying. Exactly. So I believe that hiring
1: people who have, who really truly care about other people is more important than hiring people that may have a skill level because we can teach the skill level. We can't teach you to truly, truly care about the guest. It has to come.
0: actually so you, you don't have it. And back for consistency. Like how do you make, How do you get somebody? That can do that, but they can't do it every single day because some days they have an off day in their outside life here. That's a big challenge. But I'm just fascinated that we have a 18, 19 year old person says, Oh, the peninsula is cool. That was like, Really? You know, I like it. And it's because it's like you say, it's comfortable. I know what it is, it's consistent. All I, I've been here, I've been to uh, celebrations that are here, I can walk around, and it's not overly intimidating. Because it's not so big. It's it's comfortable. It's intimate. Yeah. I think it's an intimate hotel.
1: It's understated elegance. It's not in your face. Uh, it, it's, it's about quality, and it's about comfort. But we're also doing a lot more things with the younger generation. We have a program with Beverly Hills High, where they come and train here um, to get people interested in the hotel business. Um, so we have that program going on. We're working with the universities. While they're going to school to do training at the hotel, so they get experience during the summers when they're off. So we are reaching out to the younger dem-
0: demographics more and more with more programming because they're going to be the future. And they're kind of getting it, but like, oh look, this, this is and they're grasping that this is kind of a cool thing to do. And
1: and also one of the ways to get to to get their younger generation interested is because of their experience at the hotel, so they get to meet and see. The most incredible people yeah. in our world, from heads of states, politicians, to heads of major corporations, to celebrities, of course, and and it's 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 what makes my life so interesting is because I've gotten to know and in some cases befriend and have a relationship with
0: amazing, fascinating people from mind my modeling. My it name. is my you know, When you were a little kid in Toronto, when you were a little kid in Israel, it it's it's you're, you're not there. And it's, I, I ask people a lot, like, did you ever think that this would happen to you? It's different for somebody who's born into it and does a great job at that because that's a whole other set of challenges. It's another that if you started from completely outside and you came within, now you're fraternal. Now it's like, a celebrity stays here oh you're working here i i see you i like you. oh i you you become regular you become my person in, in the waiter or have the server and you become this and and that's kind of cool we have brian phelps on and he becomes brian phelps of mark and brian right. and brian would say something fascinating and it. like it's interesting with me i like talking to people and i like looking in their eyes and how are you today and it doesn't matter what you do because you get the feel and that's what Bind you together, and if you're doing that, at, and you're getting younger people to do it, it's even cooler. So that's kind of neat, and that's yeah. And I think part of the challenge of the younger generation, not to
1: to harp upon it, is the fact that we're growing in a in a in a stage of life now where they are born into looking at their phone and doing everything on their phone. And some of the challenges is when I meet with them is keeping eye contact, and them not feeling socially awkward because they haven't had the, the old fashioned uh the old fashioned uh conversations and before this was here.
0: Before this is dinging and bing. And I might only have to apologize. I said, well we'll probably abruptly in this because I when we said, Well, we're gonna stop at a time and it's like, wait, we were we're at that time, but it's like now you can tell how busy he is because the phone's binging at
1: four o'clock. You know, so so the the, the looking the having a conversation and looking at someone's eyes and, and connecting on that level is still so important. I feel that the younger generation have lost some of that. Not all of them. And, but but that's the
0: challenge. So let me close close only because I know you. I'd be here with you for another hour. Oh, we could do this thing. Do you and love what you do? I absolutely do. You cannot be
1: in this business for almost 40 years if you don't love it. It's challenging. It's draining. It's stressful. You have to have a passion for it. To be in this business, you have to be passionate about it. And you have to really, really like what you do. And And I do. That doesn't mean that I don't have days where I go home and and tear my hair out. I just, why didn't I ever go in this business? Yeah. What am I doing in this business? It's it can be very frustrating. It can be it can be very difficult. But all in all, it's it's I work with amazing people and I I meet amazing people from around the world. I have a very interesting life, and we're there's not a day for yeah. There. And there's not a day that goes by that is exactly the same as the previous day. Um, it would be too boring for me. Um, and, and I get to touch the business side. I get to touch the guest side. I get to touch the experiential side. So I get to do many things in one place. And that's, that's a formula that's very,
0: very endearing to me. Oprah, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I'd love to go, let's go to a Maple Leaf Kings game together. I already have tickets. Oh wow! We said you already have plans for that. I do, but but we should
1: we should look at it. So I'm going to the Leafs game, and I'm going to the Rangers game. Wow! And I think January—I forget yeah. the date, but yeah. So I and you know I was blessed to see the Kings win. I was there to see them win the Stanley Cup. Have they become at least a little bit of an adopter? Absolutely! Oh, good, absolutely. They're my third favorite team. Third favorite. And, uh, the Leafs are first because that's where I want to be to hockey. The Rangers, because I lived so many years in New York, and I used to go into the dressing room and know Glenn Saver very well. It became oh wow. So we, I was connected to the New York Rangers, and of course now the Kings, since I've been living here for almost now sixteen years. So it's been great to go to the Kings game and see hockey and
0: see all my teams coming i'm going to mention that and now i'm going to pull every shin i know to see if i can get luke baby to do this podcast that would be fine here oh he's an Incredib- incredible I'm such an incredible player but also an incredible human being exactly so with that i say thank you thank you for everything thank you for doing this we went over but just so you know that's not unique to you and me <laughs> everybody that starts we should just have this conversation yeah about different things and it just goes where it goes right exactly thank you everybody for listening Thank you for, I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me.
1: I appreciate that very much. Learning the work. Yes, exactly. But Thank you.